It's basketball time. With the third pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley from the University of Southern California. It's Evan Mobley, the big man out of USC, and everyone's talking about all oh, the big man position is dead. Well, Evan Mobley is not your typical big man, okay? This guy can step out on the perimeter. He can switch ball screens. He puts a lid on the rim in the interior, and then offensively, he can handle the ball. He can pass. He's shown that he can step out and shoot the three ball a little bit. He's a lob threat, and he's just scratching the surface. You talk to executives, GMs, they say if we look back in, in three, four years, they won't be shocked if Evan Mobley is one of the best players to come out of this draft and he fits that kind of unicorn big that we talk about time and time again and would be a huge get for Cleveland. A long time ago when the earth was green and there was more kinds of animals than you'd ever seen. They'd run around free while the earth was being born. But the loveliest of them all was the unicorn. There was green alligators and long necked geese, some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, the loveliest of all was the unicorn. Rubber Rim Job, Episode 9. The boys are back. We are coming off the high of a. Uh, a a pretty tough win that we just had to gut out. <laughs> Richfield, Cav raised, and my boy Jiggo is in is in the seat here. How you doing today, Jig? What up, baby? We actually we are really grateful to have on board with us one of the long term members of the board. This guy, I, it's probably been about ten years or so, Holler, since we first mixed it up. Oh, not Holler. We're going. Is it MD13 now? Yeah. So a uh, funny story. My old username was the, it was my old like uh, LAN gaming name. Like when I played Counter-Strike with my friends and stuff back in the day, so I'm like, you know what? Some board I'm never going to post on here. You know, I just want to read some of the posts, especially when Line and Gold was posting back in the day. Oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll just use a throwaway name. And then, uh, <laughs> and then here we are like 10 to 15 years later and I've spent way too much of my life on this board. Hey, like, wait a minute. That name does just, just doesn't fit anymore. Like, let me go ahead. And- yeah, yeah. I think I outgrew that like a decade ago. That's pretty cool. But uh, Ironically for episode seven, we had M Young as a guest host on and he told mm-hmm. the exact same story he's like and it's actually stuck and now i'm building a brand like on twitter and everything i think i posted that m young is probably the best twitter follow for Cavs content he's a heavy hitter yeah he's pretty funny you know, yeah he, he drops a ton of knowledge that's my Smart boy dude yeah so rubber rim job let's welcome holler let's welcome md13 13 md13 thanks for coming in man oh my pleasure guys glad to be here Yep. And so what we're going to do is we're going to deep dive a little bit on this unicorn that we that we lucked into this summer. Um, just now tonight, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Oh, I got them. OK, I'm totally looking at St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the in the WC championship for anybody that's that's keeping an eye on some of these tournament games. Uh, just a minute ago, Garland Lamar Stevens off the bench helped us close out the game with some clutch defense down there mm-hmm. down the stretch. Um, yep. But early on. Uh, there was no way we'd have been in this game still if Mobley didn't let his nuts hang a little bit. And, uh, he did. Just assert himself, you know, going up against Isaiah Jackson. But Taz Day came off the bench and was wrecking havoc on the entire team. But Mobley yep. um, showed why he's 
definitely starting to assert himself as a rookie of the year again. Another double-double. Yep, another double-double. 22 points, 12 rebounds, and he had five steals today. Nice. Uh, nice game for him. He's he's so gawky. Sometimes it's like he, he makes me a little uncomfortable when he really starts rolling with that ball. <laughs> but, um, dude, dude's just he just crushes it, man. To me, he's the rookie of the year. I know all the uh, Scotty Barnes guys are going to be pissed about it but because, uh, I mean, he's a stud too. But um, the rookie of the year. I think he's somewhere between 6th to 10th in defensive player of the year odds too. Yeah, it's about Obviously, right. he's not going to win. But uh, but he's in that six to ten range right now. That's impressive as hell. It's the shots defended. We talked about this quite a while back, and, and I never really came up with a statistic for it. But the amount of balls that he deflects is is crazy. <laughs> Just knocking balls out of bounds, Just block shots, balls stealing balls, <laughs> knocking him knocking him into his own team's hands. What'd you say? <laughs> You're probably making fun of me, right? Yeah, 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 I am. You. I'm I'm wondering how more creatively can you talk about how Mobley's grabbing balls out there? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't even going down that alley. If I can prove that I never touched my balls, will you promise not to tell another soul what you saw? No one else was in the room where it happened. Is that a yes? I you just touched your ball. Goofy high school basketball college coach. Uh, let's get as many deflections as we possibly can tonight, guys. Just get your hands on some There's balls. There's no actual statistic for it, but you see him, you know, he's feeling his way through this first year, right? You know, everybody talks about how it's such a culture shock with the speed and the physicality of the game. There's times where he's like, um, for the last couple of weeks, guys, um, since the all-star break, he's been a little bit more assertive with shooting those threes and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Please don't talk him out of it. Even mm -hmm. though like we really want to win these games, right. don't even let him think about it or mm -hmm. second guess himself. Just let him shoot it. Cause he's, he's been so patient yes. all year. He, he defers so much that if he's like, you know what? I'm about to go ahead and let this thing fly. Let him do it. You know, kind of thing. So it's been a treat watching him. You know, we've got Garland breaking out. We got Allen like really coming into his own. But with Mobley, it's been kind of like, yeah, like, we're going to totally have like the next, I don't know how many years to watch this guy learn how to walk and run and just dominate at some point in time. You know, I got to say, though, defensively, I don't think I'm that surprised at what he's doing. It's just you saw all of these things whenever you watched him play, right? right? Summer league, college, whatever. You'd see him switch on to guards and just lock them up. You'd see him rotate properly. You'd see him play well in a drop. You'd see him, you know, high hedge, whatever. He can do all of that, right? right? right. Offensively, I had some major sure. questions coming into this year. Just, you know, is he going to find his spots as a guy who – is going to get pushed around by everyone. Doesn't have a great outside shot yet. He's got a good mid-range shot, but like you don't have that that long-range shooting that you need to space out the floor. Right. You know, just just the overall like you're going up against a stronger, bigger guy than you used to every night. You're playing with another big who stays within five to ten feet of the rim. You know, where where are you going to get your spots to uh, to fit in? And I think two major things he's done, which I didn't expect, were one, he's already a lot stronger than last year. Yeah, he is. I would agree. He's still not nearly as strong as he will be and should be in the future, but he's already strong to the point that it's not as much of a glaring weakness as it was before. Right. Um, but more importantly, he's just, I think he's the smartest like 20 year old big man I've, I've ever seen. Yeah. On both ends, he just sees plays coming. He can rotate before the offense is, is at the position where they're ready to attack. On offense, he knows where all guys are cutting. You know, there was that great play a week ago where he got double teamed off the catch in the post and no one was cutting. So I think he turned it over. And then you see him yelling at a coro later to yeah, cut awesome. when, you know, when his man comes over. And I love that. 
very next time cuts and he feeds him for i think a foul yeah i love but, it you know that's that's the kind of thing guys just should not see it like that coach's kid man yeah oh for sure that for exact sure. series he's talking about jig i was watching that game in real time and i'm in the game thread at the same time and i'm i'm really talking a lot of mess and so when he did that with a core i was like yes i was like yes thank you because it's only a matter of time before he starts you know directing and he sees the game clean enough and you know that he's anticipating stuff but we were waiting for him to hit puberty telling people where to go and like how to do things and Mm -hmm. to speak exactly to what you said i think maybe a series or two later after he told okoro he should have cut he did see him cut and he forced it to him he was like now i'm gonna show you what happens if you do what I, what I saw that we should be doing in that play. So, no, I appreciate that. You can see him, you know, like we've been blessed with the whole LeBron thing. Like there's so many players. There's only so many players that you can see. And you're like, this dude is thinking the game. LeBron, Draymond, um, there's only Chris Paul. There's only a couple of them that are playing right now because there's so many dumb guys running up and down the court. Um, Mobley is going to be one of those guys. And I can't wait to see, you know, as he starts figuring out how best to use his body and everything like that. Um, him allow himself to uh, use his brain as as more of a tool. I would say Garland has a lot of that same those same qualities as well. Like especially this year, you know, we we see you know the whole court, we can see everything, but a lot of times this year I've caught myself going Garland swing it, you know, swing it to the right. weak side wing or Garland hit the big, he's rolling it just this time, and then Garland does it. You know, right, right, right. we can see it coming because we can see all 10 players at once. But Garland just has this knack for making the right play on offense. He he uses space in just an unbelievable way. The way in, in a way, man, I, he's so bouncy. He's so fun to watch, man. <laughs> it's just more and more. Honestly, he's bouncier than Steve Nash ever was, too. Yes, yeah, he, he is. Just the way he pulls that ball back. He's so fast and quick. That's the most noticeable thing for me. And it's and I think he's actually even quicker than he was in previous years. I agree. Yeah, tonight was the first night that I was like, I'm not even worried about his back. I saw him, like the way yep. he was carving his way through the lane and stuff, and I was like, wait, he's got that, yep. you know, he's got that pep back. Like, I fully expected him to do that little skip back thing that he does, like whenever he's throwing oops and hitting threes and stuff. Tonight was the first night in a long time where I was like, I'm actually not even worried about that at the moment. To speak to that, what you just said, I definitely see the bounces back. A little bit for him. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Bounce. He doesn't have the verticality of Morant, but he's got that kind of like get back that Morant does, where where they've just kind of got that movement that there's like ten people in the world have. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it's where a... they just kind of move side to side and back and forth, yeah. which on where it's just unbelievable. But but he he the way he uses space, man, it's just it's can't stop it and he he showed that largely in the fourth quarter tonight and it's that's the type of stuff you need in playoff games i told i I was kind of bitching about it a little little bit with you tonight when we were kind of talking i don't love it when you know you're you're kind of bogging down and just relying on garland and and doing that dribble drive and then just laying it off to um you know lowry and i think he had a couple off to uh drippy dean but um (laughs) look it works. Drippy it works. Dean. I'd rather see a lot more ball movement, but, um, you know, he got it done. I mean, are we going to get into a situation where we get a little, little bit more ball movement here towards the end of the year? That That's kind of my biggest concern here. I agree with that 100%. You know, tonight we played the Pacers. I think they just lost the last two or three games before this. They lost to, like, the Pistons, Wizards, like the other teams. Pistons that are, were in there. Yeah. Other teams that are tanking and stuff. So I'm not necessarily like, oh, I came off this game, and I, I feel like we just, you know, beat another playoff team or something like that. 
and it's very concerning. It's been tough though. Yeah, no, no. There's been there they battled some people. The game that gave me hope about ball movement and everything, that T Wolves game a couple of couple of uh, games ago. Um, yeah, it wasn't an ISO. It wasn't an ISO fest. Now, granted, I know the T Wolves are towards the bottom of the league for defense, but right. it looked like they were starting to get their footing again. It looked like they were they were working on you know because uh, Markinem has so much gravity. MD just said, hey, you know, like I need him to be a little bit more consistent when he's knocking down, you know, taking those open jumpers. But there's a, just a gravity to him as a big guy that opens the floor a lot. And so the ball started moving again once he came back healthy. And that T-Wolves game, I was like, yeah. okay, I think we're getting back there. So I honestly feel like if we're just be a little patient, as you know, because Garland was down for a little while. Now he's back. And we finally – Yeah. So it's, it's just a matter of time, I believe, with the ball starting to move again. I'm not a big, strong proponent of some of these uh, – the simplistic sets, the dribble handoffs and the high pick and rolls being the base of the offense. Here's something I want to touch on really quickly. So I'm – Almost done with this Igadala book. And he he just raised something that I thought was really awesome. Because he said, you know, a lot of people give Steve Kerr heaps and heaps of praise for actually unleashing the offense. He said, no, what really happened was Mark Jackson, he said it takes about a year to a year and a half or so for players to not think their way through what an offense is. Mark Jackson had the most simplistic sets but he was like, he just wanted everybody to do what they're really great at and then find a synergy with the other players on the floor. And he was like, after that first year, after that second year, because he came over from Denver, he played one year, they went to the playoffs. I think they lost to like the Clippers or something like that in the second round. But then Jackson got fired, but it was more personality things and stuff with the front office. When Steve Kerr stepped in, it was more like, Steve Kerr was like, I'm not even trying to change what you guys do. He's like, all I want to do is fine tune some of the stuff you like, I want to, you know, like whenever the situation calls for it, I want to try to make sure that we can reel some of the stuff in, but I want y'all to continue on the trajectory. He was like, that was what made our dynasty happen. We changed coaches when we did, but the, yeah. dude, the dude didn't come in and like, yo, let's, let's run a triangle now as opposed to what we're already doing. And so I'm trying to be right. patient with mm-hmm. JBB from that standpoint. It's very simplistic, but honestly, we're, yeah. we're still not even a year and a half in, like he took over for beeline, but we're, you know, like he's really just now hitting the year mark of trying to build the confidence with these guys to do what they're really good at. So I said all that to say, God, I forgot that beeline was around for a minute. <laughs> Man, I said all this, I said all that to say you were kind of just now hitting the point where the Warriors were able to start turning their brains off and play instinctively uh, with what Mark Jackson was trying to sure. instill. So uh, I'm trying to be patient and just be like enjoy this ride and know that there's going to be growth from these young dudes as as long as they're not overthinking it. But it is frustrating at times seeing it bogged down, and I do want to see the ball move more. We just have to we'll have to see how it plays out with these guys maturing. Can I make a counterpoint to all of that? You know, it's not a coincidence that our ball movement gets a lot worse when our best ball handlers are injured. Sure, yeah. <laughs> when it's looked worse, we're playing two big lineups with uh, zero competent ball handlers in our starting lineup, you know, with Garland out. Rubio's out, Sexton's out, Levert's out. And, you know, as much as guys would like to have a uh, quick passing, you know, team-based flowing offense, it's just kind of impossible in the NBA to get a legitimately good to great offense without at least one guy who can break down the defensive will. You know, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. You know, our personnel is just very limited. I think ideally, if we're going to play two big, two big lineups with Mobley and Allen, I think 
we probably want to be offensive and space-centric around those three. And, you know, right now, Okoro's an, a zero as a shooter. Uh, teams are playing him that way. And Markinen, like I've been saying, I love his shot profile. We need someone who can just catch and pull from three like he does. But he's still not at the elite level that we need it to be. And, you know, the space concerns around Mobley and Allen are already significant, given Allen won't shoot around over 15 feet. And Mobley you know his uh especially of late as you know the season's gone on and he's gotten a bit more worn down his outside shooting has, has kind of gone away for the most part so you know all that said like it's just uh without that second ball handler in our lineup it's just tough sledding i agree with what you're saying md and um one of my hopes was that early in the summer league i was like all right you know like we saw this in auburn where um, as the season went on, Bruce Pearl kept forcing the ball into Isaac Coral's hands and he started creating for others. Like even though he was like playing small forward or power forward, a lot of times they had these lineups where Sharif Cooper and like some, not Cooper, I can't remember who the point guard was at the time. I think it was a uh, little dude that came from Atlanta with him. Um, the one that was playing for the Knicks and was killing us. Harper. I think those, they had like two ball handlers on the floor at all times, but Bruce Pearl kept making the ball, making a Coral create. And I was like, okay, I have hope that he's going to work on this in the summertime and he'll be, even when he's in that starting lineup, he'll be the secondary guy. Summer League crashed that for me. I was like really frustrated watching him let Broderick and, uh, you know, whoever else uh, create way more than he was. Um, But slowly but surely, we're starting to see him be a little bit more assertive. I don't think we saw it as much tonight, but that... I think you're thinking about the Philly game where he was really good, right? Yeah, he was really good in that Philly game until they went away from him. Raptors, yeah. Even though he wasn't, he didn't put yeah, up like a, a Raptors. Yeah, he didn't put up a whole lot of counting stats and stuff. Um, but I, I did start seeing him try to carry over what he did against Philly again. Like he was trying to get dudes on his shoulders. Those dudes are tough. I think Trent was on him, or like one of those perimeter guys, and they, you know, they play a good uh, team defense. I really hope that. As he's forced to be, you know, he's at that two guard that's starting alongside Garland. He's going to start being more assertive as a secondary ball handler. To this moment, to this day right now, I still don't want Levert to start next to Garland. I still want Okoro to just be forced, you know, kind of like what we just talked about with Mobley. Like, let the kid learn how to walk and run mm-hmm. and everything like that. I have hope that Okoro yeah. still going to um, develop a little bit of that. Yeah, come on. You've got mail. This is Randolph Keys. I am whispering because Mac B Dog wanted someone to whisper about Isaac Okoro's thighs and his amazing game. Here I am telling you that I don't know if he shaves his thighs or if he's naturally hairless, except I'm paying attention. And I would like to say I love the way that he goes under the the screens and over the screens. He takes players out of the game completely, and he's figuring out how to blend in, how to pass the ball to the open big man and cut to the basket for thunderous, hairless thigh dunks. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Daddy Keys is watching. Go for it, boys. I love the show. 
I think, yeah, I, I definitely hope he develops that. I just think at a certain point, like maybe even this year's playoffs, he's going to start to get the Tony Allen treatment. And we're going to need, you know, they're going to they're going to trap Garland at half court and give him the Tony Allen treatment. And then I think you just got to bring in Levert when that happens. You know, we need some some bigger, bigger shot creation than just Garland. You know, teams are boxing, wanting him and trapping him 35 feet out. How did you guys feel tonight? I, I just don't think Okoro is at, at that point yet. Yeah. How did you guys feel tonight? Um, they started Drippy, Drippy Dean at the three. Either he started at the three or he started the four, marking and played his, his usual, you know, outside floor spacer. How did you guys feel about Mobley moving up to the five and us bringing in another big? Were you hoping that we went more... You know, ball handling, or how'd you feel about that? Lately, I don't mind seeing Wade out there at all. I don't I, with the guy out on the floor at any point. What I I didn't like when he had the Rondo, uh, Wade, Ed Davis. What was that god awful lineup? <laughs> the, the, there was a there was a Wade Rondo. Uh, people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was it was a Davis Wade Rondo might have even been market marketing Stevens, lineup. It, yeah. it was Stevens lineup like late in the game. It was nightmarish. It didn't have Garland. It didn't have Mobley in it. It was absolutely brutal. I didn't have a problem with the starting lineup that you're describing for the record. What I mean, what did you guys think of it? So I think the Okoro Wade lineups just don't have enough offense. Yeah, could be because you know you have uh, you have two guys who are passive to a fault almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can just shade the defense towards whoever the creator is at that point and, and the pick and roll game. And then you just need guys to pull it apart a bit more from a defense perspective. Like if we're doing like late game subs, I think it's great, but you know, I, I think you just need dying for secondary creation. Someone else who can dribble, dribble the ball. Like all those times when the, you know, the defense is, is like Garland penetrates, swings the ball out, pass, pass. And then it gets to, Lowry and he hesitates on the shot and then dribbles into like a 20 foot post up. It's like, or a coral will just get the ball and, and not take the open shot that's given. Those things are kind of killer right now. I agree. Levert being out is a big problem. Yeah. And Rubio obviously going down was a problem too, but I mean, we, we've known that for a while. When is Levert coming back? I think Booby said uh, Friday. I mean, the thing about Dean Wade is there's a couple threes that he'll take almost every time that he gets them. Mm -hmm. That one from the... Uh, the wing, that clutch one at the end of the from game. The, uh, from the top of the elbow. I mean, when he gets that shot, he'll take it pretty much every time. Yeah. I wish he'd take more, actually. He's I agree. He's a pretty decent shooter. He needs to take more to get them to respect him. Yeah, he's you high 30s. Then... Yeah, I mean, for sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And then he's got a sneaky little pump and go game. Yeah. You know, once once he gets guys to respect a shot. But right now, I, I you know, I, I'm fine with him taking those threes. Even semi-contested, he's just got to gotta get his volume up. The this is crazy. Even after what looked like could be potentially a free fall, the Cavs are still, they're only two games out of the three seed. That is crazy. And Chicago's dropping still and very... I was, Chicago's dropping like a rock, yeah, man. So they're one game out that. of that four seed, too. And, you I mean, that. in reality, I mean, I, it depends on which one of these teams you really want to play. I mean, I, how much do you care about which, whether you're the four seed through seven seed? You know Jake, what I mean? And I know we're totally getting ahead of ourselves, and this has nothing to do with Mobley's development. We'll come back to that. I would love to get Chicago on a four or five. Like, I, Would like, you? I would love to Chris, get Chicago. I think you're going to say what I was just going to say. I've been thinking about this for a couple months now. That's my dream okay, match. I, I think I got the exact same thing. But So, so let me break this down. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan's whole thing is he's not very fast. Right. Uh, he loves to just pump, sh pump fake 
you know, smaller guards to the ground where you can't jump on them right. and then shoot over the top, right? Right. So I think in a playoff series, your best bet is putting Mobley on him. It totally is. There's been times where I was so frustrated while uh, against Chicago. In that last game against Chicago, I was like... He went nuts on him. I was like, put Mobley on him. Because he because DeRozan, since he was in San Antonio, just eats a coral alive, right? Yeah. Um, he, He's like the, the kryptonite for a coral, like what a coral does defensively. Mobley would totally neutralize him. But here's the secondary thing about it. Markkanen has that, hey, I can't believe you guys traded me and threw me away thing going against the Bulls. Every time he plays the Bulls, he's coming out hot. He's not even thinking twice. Like somebody went over to uh, Finland and tried to like bomb his home or something. And so that's something that we got for us. Like there's, there's, there's narratives and stuff between us and Chicago. They just got Tristan. And Tristan, it feels like everywhere he goes right now, he's like cancerous or something. Because like he's, I was watching, uh, I've watched maybe two or three Bulls games since he's since he's been there. And he's just like a terrible anchor in the middle of that offense. Like he's, he's actually disrupting a lot of what they were trying to do with Vooch and everything like that and keeping the Is floor it? open. Man, it's like... It's going to take him some time to learn how to play with DeRozan because everywhere DeRozan wants to create and stuff, Tristan's bringing his guy there. And then Does he really? I'm like, oh, my God, Tristan. Like, like even if you're not going to shoot threes, like, move. Like, he's, like DDR is right there. Well, like, he ain't shooting any threes. Man, Tristan. so to speak to what MD just said, I would, like, I don't even want to put this out in the air because I'm, I'm getting so excited about the prospect of it. I would love to get Chicago in that first round. So I'm actually pulling for them to stop dropping. Right now, it's Miami, Philly, I think Boston, then Chicago, or Chicago, then Boston. And yeah, I, Bucks, yeah, Bucks, oh, then Bucks. Bulls, Sorry. then yeah. Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston's hot. Yeah, so that's the that's the biggest concern, is that it, it's a 4-5 with us in Boston, because Boston is, like, killing it right now, like, really hot. They are. Yeah, they're super hot right now. So I actually, Then the Sixers and Heat are all hot. Rich, I've been thinking about that for a while, actually. I totally just got I mean, excited about that. Sorry, y'all, y'all just... Yeah, no, I, I, I had a feeling you would think the same thing. But just, you know, tell Mobley to stick with him Man. on the ground. Don't jump on his pump fakes. Just keep your hands up, you know, and uh, live with whatever shots he makes. No, he's where he's at with his patience and what, what we just spoke about with him and the way he sees the game. He's the perfect defender for, you know, DeRozan. Um, there's a couple guys where who would like, guard Levine then? A coral. I really like a coral against Levine. the The worst kept secret. Um, they were just talking about this on NBA Radio within the last couple of days. Is Levine's knee is actually killing him still? Like even though he, yeah, he just. I think he has something done in the summer. I'm not sure, but his his knee is actually not all the way healthy right now. Okay. And so they're trying to navigate that. They just got done shutting down Ball, so he could get right and they could potentially have him back. And they're giving serious consideration to trying to just give Levine a chance to clean the thing up. So I'm not as fearful of Chicago, to be perfectly honest with you. Caruso is coming back soon. I saw that he uh, is resume- like cleared for on-court activities or something like that. That kid is tough, man. I like Caruso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. I like Caruso as well. I like him a lot. Kobe White kind of. Like what Like what just happened? Like who turned on? Like Billy Donovan has unlocked Kobe White, right? Yeah, he's turned out to be a pretty good player. Dude can shoot threes, man. He's a lot of them. Well. He's given us some sexton. So like um, I'm a I'm a Tar Heel diehard MD. And, oh, I meant to bring that up early. <laughs> that was a spoiler, yeah, man. That was a pretty awesome game. I'm a, I'm a Tar Heel diehard, and I hated watching him play. 
Like I like the entire year he was there, I hated watching Kobe White. And so um, I was like, as long as we don't draft him, I'm good. Like, you know, I was worried because he was up there with after Morant along with Garland as a you know top three point guards or whatever. And then they had Killian Hayes and I wasn't I was like, no. But this dude is like, I think they've simplified the game for him. He's in that ideal role that we want Sexton to come back to. Like, he's like that weird six-man that could actually like yep. be a starter anywhere else or possibly somewhere else. Super quick. Dude is looking. Dude is giving me Barbosa vibes right yes. now. He, he's so quick. He's giving yeah. me uh, uh, Oakland Barbosa, like uh, Golden State Barbosa. Yeah. So Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, because he, he was – He's just super quick. He, he, I, I like that 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 idea. Is, the game is very simplified for him. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now he's having a great year. He's shooting real well too. I like him. Now that we as as a collective just talked up Chicago, we totally just doomed our chances of getting them, <laughs> of catching them in the playoffs. Yeah, we like. There's no way we're gonna end up uh, matched up with them now because we just gonna catch that, the Sixers. We just spent like ten or fifteen minutes talking it up. I hope not. Like, I mean, the Sixers are horrible, horrible matchup. For horrible matchup. They're, we only have one big man, and Mobley cannot spend any time on uh, on Embiid. No, the, the weight difference is just too massive. Well, nobody can guard Embiid, though. Yeah, no one can guard him. I'm actually like, um, this has been a weird season for us. Like, it's it's this weird. It's not really a season of dreams. I don't know if you guys listen to Rizzo or anything like that, like when he's talking about the Browns. It's not like a season of dream, but there's been some weird, fateful things that's been like, even though this has gone crazy, like we're still being taken care of, like we're just faithful kind of thing. And so, like, for me, there's this, like, I have this thing already mapped out where I'm like, if we can get, like, a Chicago or an Atlanta in the first round, and then for the second round, if we can get Miami, because for some reason we've got Miami's number this year. I don't know if it's just the way JBB coaches. To um, be fair, I think Bam missed all the games we played them. He hasn't played in any of the games against us? I don't think so. I don't think so. Here's the, here's the funny thing about that, though. I, I, don't, I have to see some numbers of Allen versus Bam. Um mm. But we've literally got like four or five guys. He's six nine, and his what his biggest strength is that he's this versatile, you know, like um, offensive hub. I actually think that we still match up pretty well with him. I wouldn't mind Miami in the second round. Is what this all boils down to. Um, mm-hmm. Oladipo, they're dusting him off, and now they're going to spend the next few weeks trying to work him into that rotation. Lowry's got some personal stuff that nobody's talking about. Like I don't know if he's whatever he's got going on but it's totally detracting, you know, his his mental and everything like that. They thought about shutting him down for a little bit, they were saying. So um, I'm, I'm totally getting off on a tangent talking about matchups for playoffs and stuff, and we got like 18-something games to go. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. But the way I've mapped it out in my head, I'm like, give us Chicago or Atlanta or some like one of these lower things that might sneak up, you know, in that four or five Get range. A potential playoff win. Either four or five range or three, six range, or we're the three, and then give us Miami. Like, I'm not afraid of Miami. So yeah, I mean they got to make it first, yeah. which which is looking pretty pretty good at this point. They just needed to grab a couple wins in there. They need to get some guys healthy and grab a couple wins. You guys can't see right now, but I'm seeing Jig hurting. Jig, uh, how you doing over there, brother? Man, every time I try to move. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the the this bike. Yeah, I'm gonna give the listeners out there. So MD. Uh, Jig and I are both Peloton guys, right? I'm on the tread, yeah. he's on the bike. And uh, you know, like we we we're not I don't think we're connected on Peloton art. We're not. Yeah. We gotta connect on there. We gotta there. connect on there. But you know, like every time we we <laughs> hop on these episodes and stuff, we're pushing each other. Like we we you know, like I wanna hear how he's doing. I'm not asking him for a printout of his <sighs> monthly activity. 
as soon as we connected the night, man, I saw pain on this guy's face. Bro, and I don't know if you see it right now. This dude is hurt. My right now. tailbone is like I I that so I'm doing I must be doing something wrong with this seat or whatever. I was off for too long, but like something with this bike seat is like really messing up my tailbone because like the way I'm sitting right now, like every time I sit up, like it feels like my ass is about to fall off. That's not fun. That that's not It's not, not fun, fun man. <laughs> that's not fun at all. This is so painful. I can't even believe it. At deer antler. That's what that's what time it is right now. <laughs> it hurts to laugh, by the way. <laughs> I can use some of that deer I antler. I think it's time right for some now. deer antler. Um, some deer antler on my tailbone. So, MD, I, I'm very hopeful that this kid, I, first and foremost, I want him to keep shooting from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like he is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think that if, if it looks more reliable, I think um, in that last game against Toronto, I think he hit one from the top of the key that was like dead on. And it looked, there was no doubt in him. There's actually been a couple times this season where it's been late in the shot clock and he stepped into it without thinking it. And that's what gives you hope that it's just a matter of him playing with the Rubik's Cube up here. Should I take this shot or not? As it becomes more instinctual and stuff, it's going to look like that. So I don't want him to have to exert as much on the offensive end. You know, I want him to stay dominant and versatile and everything like that on the defensive end and then pick and choose the way he's doing. And Allen makes it possible for that. So I'm I'm hopeful that they stick with this and they continue developing together. You've got mail. Hello, Rubber Rim Job Podcast. This is Dick Boltman. How's it going? So with J.A. out, I don't want Evan to be banging with bigs regularly. Um, however, I just want to say that his post defense isn't too bad. Players are shooting around 46% from the field against them. The problem is that they draw fouls nearly 20% of the time and route to one point per possession. Uh, Mobley has great timing, mobility, verticality, and length. So the refs need to stop doing him dirty. Um, this isn't to say he doesn't ever foul, but he'll be able to combat the aggressive players that attack his frame more efficiently when the whistle isn't blown as much. Anyways, hoping for one gold winner tonight and no more injuries. It is good for his development that he does get a couple games like like this right here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Without Allen out there, because he can, you know, he can let his nuts hang a little bit and, you know, he will feel like a badass. Like we missed that in the first couple years with Garland Mm -hmm. because Sexton was an Iron Man. I was like, God damn it, Sexton. Like, will you? Like, will somebody, like, like like throw away his locker key or something or make him miss the bus? He didn't miss any games in Garland's first two years. And I was like, I can't even watch this kid develop. Garland kept missing games, but Sexton was like a tank. He was out there. So I think it's actually good for Mobley if he does get a couple of games where he can find himself without Allen out there. But then that'll make him even more dangerous when, when Allen's out there being that, that dedicated role guy. Going back to last year, I know you love the draft, Rich. Not sure, Jig, if you're uh, as into the draft as we are. But, uh, you know, especially when the Cavs were bad, um, I approach every draft just a bit more different. You know, like I get into the prospects a bit more. Um, Like this year, I barely watched the guys. But um, last year, you know, I I watched Mobley. Ooh, it was uh, one of the first games of the year, and it went to overtime. I want to say it was against, like, Santa Clara or something. I don't even know. You'd have to look that up, but he was just doing everything. And, you know, like you just don't see guys as long as he is do the things he can do from that point on. I was like, you know, this guy is the best guy in the draft. 
Um, to speak to the and, USC, his brother was his his Jared Allen. So yes, like, absolutely. Yeah, and he had a role. So Isaiah had a role where he was like, "I'm gonna play with my back to the basket so that you're attacking guys facing up." And it's it's funny to watch him now this year. I don't know if you had a chance to peek at USC or not. This dude is shooting like five or oh, six. Yeah, he's shooting threes, right? He's shooting a lot of yeah. like he's is he draftable. Up. His brother is he is he worth getting? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's yeah. he's giving me jig. I'm trying to think of what the best comp that I can give you for him. How about some like Udonis Haslamish vibes? Yeah. Like, is that I what think, he's like? I think it's like a concerted decision this year to try and uh, do a lot of the role player stuff that he's going to need to to be an NBA player. Right yeah. now that now that Evans in the pros, he's got to you know he's got to extend his range. He's got to uh, you know pass the ball well, rebound well, defend well. You know, just a lot of the the lunch pail stuff that, you know, will make him an NBA player versus, uh, you know, like a, an overseas guy or, or a G League guy. So he will definitely get drafted second, like late I, second. I think he's he's at least going to get a two way from the Cavs. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a draftable guy. Um, he's he's older. So I, I yeah. think this is junior year right here. Jig. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he's better than like an Anthony Tolliver, but he's mm-hmm. he's not like he's not like a Julius Randle kind of face up big that can shoot. Like he's like uh, it's it's tough, man. Because he's he's also pretty big. He's yeah, no, he is. Stuff. He is big. Yeah. He, he's just a he's smidge. A big boy, 240 shorter. pounds. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's actually solid. So he's he's yeah. just a smidge shorter than uh, his bigger his his younger brother. He's he's not as quick with his uh, perimeter. He's hitting some threes. It looks like too. You know, he's shooting yep. them up. So no, I, I like him. I brought him up in the Mobley discussion because even back at USC, they did a really good job of not letting Mobley just play with his back to the basket under the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was uh, back when Embiid was at uh, Kansas. He played maybe like three-fourths of the year before he went down just as they were gearing mm-hmm. up for the Big 12. I was like, man, can I see him face up a little bit? Because I swear I'm getting these Olajuwon vibes and stuff. But mm-hmm. he was like relegated to just that because he was playing with some dummies. Uh, the rest of the Kansas team was not smart. Wiggins was the highest usage. He's never been a smart player. But even the guards and stuff were like gunners. But I was like, man, let me see this dude face up a little bit. Now that we're seeing it at the pro level, it's like, okay, no, I get it. With Mobley, it was the same way. His whole year at USC, I was like, I don't want to see him just down there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I was really grateful that he had his brother and that he knew how to play off of him. I remember there was – I probably watched about 10 full games, MD, of USC mm-hmm. uh, last year with him. And then I watched every one of the tournament games. And there was only – the only game that I remember where I was like, all right, I actually want to see you go in there and go down there was that Gonzaga game where they actually lost, mm-hmm. where they got put out. Um, because uh, Isaiah was actually balling. He was hitting some outside shots and stuff, and they needed Mobley to be a little bit more assertive. They had a, you know, he had Drew Timmy on him from Gonzaga. They didn't have any guy who could contest him as a post player, but he he didn't go down there. He, he like, stuck with what he was doing. Um, that was the only game where I was, like, you know, like, get down there and demand the ball. There's nobody that can actually throw off your game. If we're going to talk about um... – the things that Mobley has improved most, you know, from last year to this year, I think the, uh, you know, his go-to move of that, like, uh, that turnaround fadeaway from the post, you know, like mm-hmm. that semi-post-up fadeaway shot that, that seems to be so money. I didn't really see that much last year. I saw, you know, looking back at tape of his last year and stuff, I saw a lot of, uh, he would try to get to the middle of the paint uh, and then and then lefty or righty hook shots. And I feel like that's a lot more, 
like he would get bumped off his spot a lot. Like guys would get into his body when he's trying to jump up and verticals, not quite there, right. you know, compared to what he would be uh, if he was just jumping straight up. And you, you see that even now, but that, that fadeaway has been a weapon because I think last year uh, I'd have to look up the stats again, but I think he was like in the 26th percentile in post-up, something like that. He was a legitimately bad post-up guy. You know, you know, the college floor is much smaller. The floor is more yeah. congested and um, college defenses. They give them a, the opportunity to play all kinds of different zones and stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you're going to you see that a lot. Like when can uh, and I'm totally just pulling out the top of my, like when Kentucky blew out UCLA while Lonzo Ball was going against um, uh, Drew uh, Fox and Fox and Monk and all those dudes. Um, I was like, OK, wait, no. I need to see UCLA spread the floor more and let this kid like create and get shots for people. But it was, the floor was so congested that I was like, I I don't think that's going to make it to where he's not able to do it at the pro level. Everybody was already saying with Lonzo ball, like, yeah, no, you know, he's playing a whole bunch of scrubs, Mm -hmm. but then when he plays real competition and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they're able to take him out of his game. Same thing for Mobley. Like when I saw him at USC, the floor was so small there was this wing guy that they had who uh, Edie or something like that. that They were like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he should be a pro prospect as well. Um, I got, I got really frustrated with him in that Gonzaga game because Kispert, all those dudes, like they, he, they gave them the night off where they could just shade and crowd Mobley, like everything he was trying to do. And I was like, you need to go down there and put him on a post where his length and everything like that. And he can go quick on somebody like Timmy. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, that's good stats um, pulling for you for his, his uh, array of offensive skill set. Um, but I think the floor was very, it was very congested. Like even having the time to get the shots off and stuff, the way that he's showing he can at this level with a more open floor. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, in terms of like what I saw watching him as a college player versus now, um, a lot of the same, you know, it's not like he, he developed like dramatically in a certain way. It's just, he has the same moves as he did before. He's doing the same things. Um, it just seems like everything translated so well. You know, the defense, he can he can match up to, like, guards the same as he could in college. His hips are so quick. You know, the mm-hmm. way he can flip his hips and flip his feet to mirror <laughs> a, a driving guy is just, like, you, you just don't see that with bigs. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the things that jumps out right away. Um, you know, he still always makes the right play. He's amazing against double teams because, you know, he's really patient. He'll pull it out a lot. More. You know, he'll pull it out, survey the field, and just, you know, make the right pass. Um, the ball handling has always been there. It's it's not where it needs to be quite yet or will be, but for a seven-footer, it's incredible. He had been pissing me off recently um, before this Allen injury. Early in the year, he was being more decisive, like with his moves, mm-hmm. going quicker. He's been right. getting stripped a whole lot by like a lot of smaller guys, which we just spoke about, like in regard mm-hmm. to him taking advantage of matchups and stuff. But it was really looking like, you know, after that All Star break, he hit like a really hard wall because, like, there was I think he he had a couple of games in there where it was like, yeah, I don't even know if I want. He was him. getting stripped. Yeah, yeah it was frustrating it was, to watch. It was, it was starting to get frustrating. The whole team was showing a little bit of a lack of focus there. Yeah, it, it, I think were. everybody was starting to get a little bit concerned, and he he was he was no exception there. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that's why I think these last couple of games were so valuable because he 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 appears to have turned it on. Man, 
Yeah. So, um, you know, something on that, I've noticed that most of the times he gets stripped, I think it's more of a strength thing because if you notice, it happens when he bump when you know his guy bumps him a lot of times. That's yeah. when he starts yeah. to fumble the ball. Um, another thing, I'm not sure if you guys have picked up on it, but I can kind of tell when he's really just either physically or mentally exhausted. Um, something I picked up on is when he overruns a closeout because normally he's incredible at closeouts, you know, he's long enough that he can stop in front of the guy, put his hands up and affect the shot while staying on him. But when a guy can pump fake and just drive right past him, I feel like like he's he's, tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like he can't recover and, and, you know, contest him at the rim the same way. Good call. Look, look, look at MD. Yeah, over that's here. a good catch, man. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a little subtlety right there. I, I appreciate like that. that. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I, you know, now that it's out there, hopefully the RCF crew can <laughs> let me know if they, they've seen the same thing, but I kind of noticed that that's when he's like, you know, he can't like quite give the same. Might, level need, to, might and... need to bring that to uh, Mobley's attention. <laughs> that's funny. There's, I, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not stat guy. I'm the guy that's watching and trying to read body language and, yeah, you know, uh, th- which is ironic and it's, it actually helps us. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to transition over to JBB talk a little bit. I've never sat in a room where he's doing his thing as a coach and he's, you know, working with his staff and everything like that. But every indication is that he's a pulse on the finger of the player and see it with his eyes type of coach, just like I am as a, as a spectator kind of thing. And we give, we've given him a lot of credit on here for having his finger on the pulse of things and knowing how to read certain things. It's, it's been really scary for me with some of these rotational things where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a game before the All-Star game. I think Moby played like, I don't know how many minutes straight, like 15 or something minutes straight or something like that. And it just happened the other night with Garland um, where I think it was against Philly or so where he played the entire second half. I really want JBB to take that next step in regard to game management and rotations and being a little bit, a little bit more forced for the trees. Cause there's way too many, like I I know where, you know, like when it comes to attrition and stuff, you know, we've had a lot of injuries. We've had guys that are pulled out of our rotation. We've had guys who, you know, Rubio by all intents and purposes was probably the second most important player. And he's out for the year kind of thing. Our leading scorer from last year is out for the year. I get it. But there's still 48 minutes, and your your coach across the thing from you has got 12 to 15 guys that he can use to get Mobley tired to where his closeouts are not clean, to get Garland gas to where, you know, he's fumbling and bumbling and all that kind of stuff, regular passes and things that he usually does, but he's dead tired. I've really got to see some growth from JBB on that. Tonight he started showing it, but it was kind of forced. It was like... Okoro sure. picked up two dumb fouls in the first, you know, couple of possessions, so he had to broaden his rotation a little bit. But it actually worked out for us because we saw fresh legs. Like when it was time uh, for Garland to take over there down the stretch, he actually had the legs to do it. You know, Rondo was mm-hmm. playing, but Rondo didn't play a lot. But I really want to see some growth there. You know, what MD just spoke about, being able to see the subtle things that you let, let you know when guys are tired or certain things are going on. Um, I, I really hope that JBB shows growth. Or that there's somebody designated like um, on the sideline, kind of like a what's his name for the Rams, the coach that just won a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, he's got that dedicated guy that keeps him off the field, like he's always like sprinting up and down the sideline, mm-hmm. and just he's so little that he just pick him up and toss him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of out the way, so he doesn't run into the officials and stuff. I need a guy who is either sitting behind the bench or something like that for JBB, 
that's like, all right, we got seven minutes of, you know, Garland or Mobley, and I'm seeing that they're gassed. You like get them, you like pull them kind of thing. Because that is scary for me for long-term development. I believe that we have in Mobley and Garland, without a doubt, we have two future top, you know, maybe potentially 25 players at the very least as they keep developing. And uh, what we saw earlier this year with Garland that we're hoping that he's bouncing back from now is with overuse as this dude is developing and stuff, like we can jeopardize some of that trajectory. Mm -hmm. I don't want the same thing to happen for Mobley. And so all of this that we're talking about, you know, we're whispering to each other right now about what he could be and how we hope he keeps developing. Um, That can be jeopardized if we're counting on too many 40 minute nights from him or too many, Hey, this dude is playing dead tired and his closeouts are dirty. And now he's running in the camera guys and all this kind of stuff. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I really need to see, um, organizationally and as a coach that's managing, you know, on a night to night basis, you know, the 48 minutes and stuff, a cleaner rotation that keeps these guys healthy. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we, I, th- I think we can all agree that the Rubio injury was, was an overuse issue. I, a lot of people, I think we're calling him on the carpet for that before that even happened. And, um, Garland, um, I, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about that injury. That back I, muscle. If, if, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was a bone bruise or if it was tissue or what it was, but, um, I was glad to see that that wasn't pushed too hard, and I think they could afford to take a few losses. Yeah. Clearly they did. But, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, it's been good to be able to get a good look here at Stevens and get Wade some time. A team like this can afford to get these guys some minutes. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to run 10 deep, I mean, let's let's get these guys some minutes and get them some time. But you're exactly right. I mean, we want to, we want to, see, we want to see some rotations here and, and see what um, – see what these guys can do. What I don't want is I, I just don't want to see. Sometimes I'll see this, see these lineups that are just absolutely brutal. There, there was one today that I, I just, I don't want to see again. Um, and I see your point. I, I see your guys point that starting lineup today. As I, as I thought about it, if, if the offense is as bad as you're, as you're saying, I get the idea. Then he needs to know that. So there was another one again, like I said, towards the end of the game, that was brutal, but it's, it's his job to know that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there have been some lineups where it's like that doesn't even make sense to even attempt that kind of thing. It's the Mike Brown. We're oh going all defense, all out only. But, but it's like, how, how long are we going to do this for? Are we going to do this for thirty seconds? Or are we going to do this for five minutes straight? With no, you know, regard- when, he's, when he's got this many weapons, fortunately, he doesn't have to do that. No regard at all for the other end. And, and yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, if if you know. Um, my two big criticisms for JB, one, like you said, Rich, uh, the minutes, like, and for, for the most part, I think our minutes have been pretty good on average. Yeah. It's just those, those times where he, he really tries to ride a win and, you know, overplays our, our, our big guys too much. Um, the other one is I feel like he's just, um, he's so defense oriented that he'll like, he's focused on defense first lineups. Yeah, you know, we, we make sure the defense is solid and then we build out from there. I agree. With Whereas that. like a lot of times this team is just screaming for better spacing around our central yeah. actions. I, I agree with that. And I made a post about that where I, I was saying um, there's two ends to this court and actually the offense does help the defense. Um, yes. You, you make your job so hard for you if you're just singularly focused on that. But then also you're not coaching robots, you know, so like mm-hmm, they're right. um, you're coaching these dudes who they're going to play harder defensively if they're eating on offense or if they feel like yes. they 
you know, like just think about human nature. Like if you feel like you've got an advantage over something on, or somebody, you know, like you're, you're going to, they, they're going to run through a wall on the defensive end if they feel like they can get a bucket on the offensive end. And so there are times where he does things rotationally and it frustrated the hell out of me the entire time Mike Brown was here. I like I've said this before, but I genuinely feel like um, after that Orlando series, we wasted a whole nother year for LeBron because I was like, okay, this guy's yes. taking us as far as he can. He has no clue about the offensive side. And now it's actually, right. um, so I don't want that to be the case. And I'm, you know, he's so young, dude is 42 years old. Yeah. He's grown on the job. He's got a young staff and he's, he's able to communicate and get guys, you know, buying in and everything. But we, we do, as we get into this last 18 or however many games is left and we get ready for this playoff series and everything, um, uh, we're going to have to see some growth from him on seeing both sides and making rotational decisions and things based off of both sides of the floor. No, I, I don't I don't consider him to be there at all. I, I don't consider JV, JV to, be, to be a bad coach. I, I think it's just one of those things where dude's a young, dude's a young coach. I've seen some rotational issues. Well, I think we're all in kind of in agreement here, right? Yeah. There's there's been a couple of rotational issues. The the minutes and it, like it's not like he's um who Tibbs Tibbs who runs yeah, his yeah. is he still doing that? Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not. He's he doesn't do that. I think I think as far as I'm aware, I don't think we've had an issue beyond uh, Rubio, and I'm hoping that he won't ever again. Well, right now the the Tibbs of the NBA is is Nick Nurse up in Toronto. Yeah, and then oh, wow. he's, he's the right. These guys have been playing. No, I didn't yeah. see that. Uh, yeah. I think for the month of was it January? <laughs> I think for the month of February, I think he had like his starting lineup was like five of the top ten guys in minutes per game. I think yeah. Siakam played forty one minutes a game. Yeah, and I mean, there's no there's no reason to be doing that. And 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 that's I mean, it's a no. I mean, we know this now. We know we have this information mm-hmm. on hand that this isn't healthy for these guys. Not only oh. that, so we coming into the season, there was a bunch of talk before the season started because Silver was like, we're not going to do what we did last year to get seventy two in in such a short time, but we are going to have a condensed schedule. Yeah. He was like, I want to give you guys bigger breaks when we do take breaks, right? So before the season even started, there was a lot of talk. The schedule is so condensed because they took out a lot more of the back-to-backs and stuff. They they just they played with the schedule so that teams had half as many back-to-backs and half as many four and five or something like that. Four and five or yeah, something. Yeah, but there but That's it's gonna be it's brutal. gonna be more evenly spread out so that it's like you can basically count on having about three games a week the entire season unless we're taking a break. Yeah. And so with that in mind, like you, you had to, uh, cause he was trying to do two things. He was trying to counter what everybody was doing with their stars where they were, you know, San Antonio started a couple years ago, just giving dudes yeah. a night off. He's yeah. trying to counter that by saying like, everybody's got this pretty even playing feel and everything is spaced out, but we, we shouldn't go the extreme, uh, the extreme opposite of that, which is playing dudes 40 something every, you know, Oh, we got a night off tomorrow. Like LeBron just did it. You know, scored 50-something, but he played, yep. like, 40-something minutes, and then yep. he couldn't even get up the next, you know, they had a night off. Yeah, got, dude's 37, putting up 56 mm-hmm. points. Got ready to play San Antonio, who is actually only, like, two games out of the 10th spot right now to play in. Yeah. They're, like, yeah. two games back of the Lakers, and they lost to them because Bron couldn't even, like, walk the next night. Right. It's just like, right. that's not where we are anymore. Like, like, we should be looking at, like, 30 to 35, and if you're not developing your rotation – so that you can kind of limit the load on these dudes as they're playing, you know, through these condensed schedules and stuff. You're going to have guys breaking down. You're going to have guys falling apart. You're going to have dudes making these 
uh, crazy errors because they're just dead tired, like MD said with uh, Mobley's closeouts and stuff. That's when injuries happen. So um, I, I just went back and checked because I wanted to see LeBron's uh, what his line was, and he did. He did fifty six. His assist numbers are super low, man. He's he's like he's he's a he's a scoring machine right now, which is not really his game. I got something for that though. He wants to catch Wilt, right? Um, yeah, you're, you're right. He's a, he's Kareem? a LeBron. Kareem, is a, it's Kareem. Yeah, yeah Kareem. Yeah, is sorry, sorry. Later. Thank you. Yeah, LeBron is a yeah. brilliant dude. Um, he actually, I think, he sabotaged some of his potential, being a little too smart for his own good, as opposed to you know, like just focusing on being the best player he could be. He's always so macro minded, so business minded, and everything, and narrative minded. Um, but right now, like I think before the All Star break even got here, he was already like this. This team ain't going nowhere, so let me make up some ground on Kareem. Or let me make up some ground on Cap. So uh, what you're gonna see when he comes back for the next game, I think they play Houston or something like that. Um, he's he's gonna try to score fifty again. He he actually is very close to having the scoring crown this year. And Embiid is, he? is yeah, Embiid scored forty something the other night, so that he's still ahead of him. But it's going to come down to it as long as LeBron stays active. Um, I think they're they're like neck and neck, 30-something points per game or something like that. Um, LeBron's going to try to catch him, and he's going to try to be the scoring champ at 37, 38, whatever he is right now. So, yeah, he's not seeing the floor right now. He's not even considering it. And as a result, he's getting – like Westbrook is getting ready to get killed out in, in L.A. Like his, his, Man, people are just – That's crazy. Ross. It's awful. So, yeah, no, you're not going to see a usual LeBron floor game, which would really actually help them right now. But he's like, if we're not going to be contenders, then I might as well get what I need to get for myself. And that's kind of yeah. messed up. Guys, I'm, I'm having a blast. I, uh, I don't live in Cleveland, so I don't get to do this often. But I am visiting Cleveland. I got my girlfriend to, uh, to say yes to, to taking a little vacation to Cleveland later this month. So I'm going to oh, see yeah. – uh, I'm going to see the Nuggets, the Pistons, and the Lakers games. Oh, man. Damn, three games. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be there for like a whole week or something like that? Uh, Like half a week, four or five days, something like that. Nuggets, Pistons, and who else? Lakers. Lakers. All right. That's pretty awesome. LeBron. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't get to, to catch up with a lot of Cavs fans regularly, you know. Yeah, I'm sitting courtside for the Hawks game. We talked about this on our on one of our shows. It got mm-hmm. rescheduled. It was originally it was like late December or something like that, and then at the last oh, minute, everybody uh, got COVID. that was the COVID game, right? Yeah, yeah, COVID game. Yeah. So that's on the 31st, and I'm going down. I got this pass. I got like this food stuff that's happening, all this kind of stuff, and I am so worried and so fearful that come that. Um, come that time, the team's not going to be whole and I'm going to see some, you know, like I'm going to be sitting right there for like this mm-hmm. ugly kind of so, because the Hawks, they've been kind of, every time I turn around, I, I'm like, okay, here they come, getting ready to do what the Celtics they've are doing. They've been very uneven. They've been very uneven like, it's like, wait a minute, like y'all traded Reddish and I thought y'all turned a corner but yeah, now y'all like. Yeah, player mm-hmm. as good as Trey who gets that much favoritism from the refs that they, that they would be able to uh, get it done this season and they just, they don't seem to be able to get over the hump. Yeah, the two teams that have turned it on and they figured it out are the Mavericks and the, the Celtics. In both cases, they looked dead in the beginning of the season. Remember, we killed the Mavericks by like twenty or thirty or something down there. Yeah, that was a big. That was one of the wins that kind of started to make it clear that the Cavs were for real. That was yeah, that yeah, night that, was Cavalanche City. Like that was all about Cavalanches in that, yep. that Mavericks game. 
um, and bo- both of those teams have turned it around, like, and they've they've found it, whatever they were missing, kind of thing. I expected mm-hmm. Atlanta to do that too. I did not expect New York to figure it out. I knew New York was flawed, mm-hmm. but I expected Atlanta too. So I'm worried about that. That Nuggets game, MD, um, they're talking about bringing back Porter and Murray here very quickly. So you that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that actually might work in our favor though, because you know it takes guys some time, mm-hmm. you know, to get you know get things going and stuff. Nuggets. Who else? Two Pistons and um, Lakers. 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 Some weird reason the Pistons have our number this year. I'm not. Yeah, fully, they really do. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the toughest part of the entire season. These games right here. These coming up. Oh yeah. No, it's it's going to be good. It's actually the first time I've ever been back to Cleveland since we left. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been living in the states for a while now, but um, yeah, just never had the opportunity to go back for whatever reason. But it, it'll be fun. Uh, Jig, what are you looking like? Who's is it? The next three to five? That's going to be tougher. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, schedule right now. It's it's really pretty brutal, to be honest with you. They've got um, the Heat, Bulls, Clips, Sixers, Nuggets, and I mean that's I mean so you got three, you got five playoff teams right in a row. And there, there's I mean, another game with the Lakers coming to town. He just said, not not the that's Lakers. Legit. Yeah. Well, and I mean hell, then right after that you got the Pistons, who they have problems with. Lakers, I mean, I know the Lakers are sucking, but, I mean, there's the, still the possibility they could turn it back on. The LeBron come home game kind of thing. And you yeah, got the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, so game. you figure he's probably going to want to play well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got the Raptors, Bulls, Magic suck, and you got the Mavs. You just named off, like, 10 games, and I'm like, oh, man, I could totally see us losing 10 games. Like, Hawks. Hawks are tough. Knicks suck. I haven't Sixers actually taken a moment to look at the schedule for the next, Magic what is it, suck. 18 that are left? Kind they of? got a tough schedule yeah, the rest of the way, man. man. I, they got, they, I, to me, that's tough. What happened? Because there was a lot of talk about the strength of schedule. Like, we had I the know second there was, easiest... and I'm looking at this schedule, and it looks pretty tough to me. They're in the sixth spot, but, but like I was saying earlier, they're two games uh, out of third or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, that, that put they're still it's still tight. I mean, they're they're one game out of four. That's a tough and stretch that you just you just named off like ten games, and I'm like, it's a guys. gauntlet, man. Yeah. Even just that five game stretch right there, they're playing the 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 worst team that they're playing in there is the Clips, and they're eight seed. So uh, to put a bow on this conversation, I'm gonna let both of you guys help us close this out. Like uh, okay. the future is bright. Um, yeah. The future is bright because we've seen Garland already take that step, but we know for a fact that uh, there's un- untapped potential in this unicorn that we hit the jackpot with uh, in Evan Mobley. Um, and so these next few weeks is going to be fun to see how this kid adjusts to being thrust into a different, you know, different role. This is what we didn't get to do with Garland and Sexton as they, you know, were both developing and stuff, but, you know, Sexton stayed on the court. Um, so that next game, we've got uh, – who are we playing next with? Uh, Miami, I think, on Friday. Is that right? Is it Miami? Friday. That's uh, like three nights off. I'll confirm that for you. Uh, it is – we are playing it. yeah, Heat on Friday. Man, that's a lot. That's like three nights off right here. That's a long Good. time. Good. Watching a lot of college basketball for the next few nights since the Cavs are going to be <laughs> out there. You know, Garland, 41 tonight, 13 assists. Mobley, some clutch plays. I really like seeing Stevens come off the bench and make some game-changing plays there mm-hmm. in the clutch, too. Real um, big. Um, Jig, thank you for toughing it out. Like, we got uh, this brother right here is playing injured, and he 
totally sat here with us for like two hours, man. It's your tailbone, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I got that. some turf toe from kicking the wall over here too. <laughs> I hope you, uh, yeah, I hope you rest up. You guys. Yeah. Good to meet you, MD. I hope you rest up jig and that you're able to bounce back, man. You don't have to go through this whole week with a, with a bruised <laughs> tailbone, man. Rubber rim job. We are signing off. We got Miami coming up here Friday night, signing off for the team here. Now God seen some sinning, and it gave him pain. And he says, stand back, I'm going to make it rain. He says, hey, Brother Noah, I'll tell you what to do. Build me a floating zoo, and take some of them green alligators and long-necked geese. Some humpty back camas and some chimpanzees. Some cats and rats and elephants, for sure is your barn. Don't you forget my unicorn. This is Joe Tate. Have a good night, everybody.